0: Everybody, You're listening to sit down with standups. I'm Ari Azizian and today's episode is brought to you by it's it ice cream. It's it a San Francisco tradition since 1928. If you like ice cream as much as I do, this is it two oatmeal cookies with ice cream in the middle dipped in chocolate. It's so good comes in vanilla chocolate mint cappuccino strawberry and Halloween's coming up. They got pumpkin flavored, people. And now this delicious treat can be found outside of San Francisco at most of your local grocery stores. Just check out their website at itsiticecream.com to find a store near you. You really haven't lived until you tried one of these things. I'm actually eating one right now. Go to itsiticecream.com. Find a store and try one. Buy a box. Buy a case. Buy a pallet for crying out loud. It's the best. It's it. Oh, I get it now. Hey, I just realized something. You can't spell sit down with stand-ups without it's it. Huh? Huh? All right, I'll stop. All right, guys, my guest today is a very funny comedian. He's the very first comedian I bait to see live, Mr. Maz Jobrani. You may recognize him from the Axis of Evil comedy tour on Comedy Central or Nights of Prosperity. He's even been in 13 Going on 30 and Friday After Next. He has an awesome new book out called I'm Not a Terrorist, but I've played one on TV. It's very funny and has a ton of great stories about starting out in stand-up and auditioning for movies It's a great book. Go out and get it. And his special under the same name is now available on Showtime and on demand. All right, folks, here's my interview with Maz (laughs) Giovanni. You're actually the first comedian I've paid to come see. Is that right? Live, yeah, I saw you at Cobb's. When oh, I was wow. Just turned eighteen, and I was looking at the comedy clubs in the area. Oh. And your name came up first, I was like, oh man, I know. Really? Oz. Yeah. How old are you? I'm now. I'm twenty three, but I was eighteen when I saw Five you. Five years ago. Yeah. Holy wow! And I think Cavon opened for you. Very possibly
1: that was in two thousand and ten, probably. Yeah, I was yeah, there 2010, Yeah, two thousand and ten. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Boy, I've been on the road for a while. <laughs> <laughs> How, how often do you go out on the road? Do you go like mm. a few months out of the year or is it kind of like sporadic? No, it's become kind of.
1: Sorry, I'm eating during
0: this. No, no worries at all. I'm going to stop in a minute. Yeah. Mm.
1: <clears throat> it's become seasonal now. So most of summer I take off. Okay. Um, by taking off, what I mean is I perform, I headline in the LA area. Right. And I always perform at, you know, even if I'm not headlining. I'm usually at the comedy store or the Laugh Factory yeah. working on new material. That's summertime, and that's because the kids are home. I want to be home, and also a lot of people are traveling in the summer, so you don't want to get a gig in Kansas City or something in the summer and right. then go out there and 70. have 10 people show up. And yeah. You're like, oh, man, I just got a whole weekend away from my family, and no one's here. Um, so yeah. usually starting right around uh, the beginning of September – uh, the the touring season starts and it goes September till December. So I I uh-huh. look at my schedule and it's funny because a lot of times I'll accept the the, the gigs. I'm like, yeah, sure, 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 I'll take it. And um, then once I come to it and I look at it, I'm like, holy shit, there's a lot of there's a lot of dates. <laughs> Plan a lot more than yeah. Because uh, in the beginning, when I first started touring consistently, I had my agents and I would said like, let's go every other week or let's go two weeks a month. Mm-hmm. But then I realized it's, that's not as it's not as uh, doable just because um you gotta fly back well no i fly back anyway but it's just because there when i'm taking that season off then you kind of got to cram a lot of stuff into the other parts but the good news is like for example when i'm touring like like i can always put i get i get irvine in the mix i'll get um san diego those are relatively close yeah um, and some other local or close ones, or I'll find like, uh, or I'll end up like booking something in San Francisco or in New York where I can take my family with me sometimes. Cool, yeah. But as I get older, it gets harder. But still, I, so basically the season is long story short, it's basically September to December, then it slows down over the holidays, picks up again, let's say end of January, early February, and then goes like till spring. June. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, summer
0: off. That's awesome. So, like, yeah. do you use the summer to like work out the jokes that you're going to take on tour with you or like just kind of get ready at the comedy store and places around here?
1: Yeah, I'm always just trying out new stuff at the comedy store and Laugh Factory over the summer. It's not that by the end of the summer they're ready to go. Yeah. A lot of these jokes are still half done um, and how I will continue. How long
0: does it take to, because you just released your special, like mm-hmm. how long does it take to come up with like an hour like that? Like, it
1: probably takes a good year and a half to two of doing it because I don't sit down and write. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, like,
0: do you write on stage? Like, yeah,
1: basically, I talk about it on stage and try to find the punchline. Okay. So, I'm trying to do a whole new bit about taking my son fishing for his birthday and how I don't like to fish. I was like, I, I've learned something. I don't like to fish. I Like to order fish. Yeah, <laughs> and then and and then I've riffed on it so many times. I found a few punches here and there, but sometimes it, it's it ha- I realize I should probably sit down and try to write the punchlines to
0: it like find the jokes inside of it yeah i, I should but i'm just i never get around to because the
1: days always go like okay i'll do a podcast then really? i have a lunch meeting after then i have an audition that came up then i gotta be with the kids it's so hard to I find just, types yeah i should channel. focus yeah. i should focus but i don't
0: <laughs> well that's the thing I'm, I'm so fascinated by like i hear bill burry is like i just work on stage and like he doesn't write and stuff and did, when you started did you use that method or would you because i just sit down and write jokes and i'd be so afraid to just like
1: well, try to know,
0: improvise it on stage.
1: When I first started, I took a I took a stand up comedy class. Judy Carter had a stand up comedy oh, cool. class. Oh, yeah. Awesome, man. And um, so, when I first started, I I would um, you know they tell you like take a topic, you know, <clears throat> take a statement. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard being Iranian in America. Now, do a brain but like a bubble around it. Yeah, and then
0: like branch off the ideas from branch like,
1: off the ideas. Why is it hard? Da 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 write jokes around it okay so that's what it was like originally so there was some joke writing like that happening but from the start I was always recording my my sets and listening to them
0: and just sort of fixing them that way yeah
1: and and I realized I think I I, at some point I realized that I prefer that I prefer hearing it trying it again and also when you're getting up five to ten times a week even though it's like 15 minutes here and there 20 minutes it still is enough time it's a it's a it's a condensed and intense time where you're really trying something out for fifteen to twenty minutes. That's true, yeah. And so you really you really trying to write it. and if you're loose on stage, like if I'm loose I, I come up with stuff better than when I sit down and I you know when you're trying to type it, I'm better moving around and figuring it out. So I think totally. that's I think that's how it happens. And I think that at a certain point I just realized that I like that. I think at a certain point when I started going off my script my stand-up script and started riffing about what's going on in the room. It, it kind of funny, made me, yeah, it made me feel alive, and an idea started coming. Yeah, I remember the first time that happened. It was um, one of the first times it happened. It was at the comedy store. There was a comedian named Freddie Soto who was really funny. He passed away since young guy, Mexican dude, um, and he was um, he was well liked by everybody, and he was very funny. And he was sitting in the back of the room, he was watching, and it was like. I'm guessing it was like 1.45 in the morning because the club closes at 2. Right. I was the last comedian that went on. And there was no one in the audience except these two nerdy dudes (laughs) and this one hot chick that was with them. Oh, wow. (laughs) So I got up there and I started doing my material. And then I realized no one's really into this. And so I kind of turned to them and I had to ask the question. I was like, how did you two end up with her? (laughs) And that turned it into a whole thing where now i was talking to them these three people and they were talking back and we're having a conversation and i was coming up with jokes and and then i would go in, into some of my material and then i would come out of my material and i would riff stuff and and it was a fun set it was only 15 minutes but it was yeah. fun and i remember coming off stage and as i was going off stage i was, I was you know in the back freddie had, had been sitting watching and he goes um and I, this is like the first time i met him he's like hey you're funny i go thanks he goes you know what's great is it's not about the bits that you're just funny because you're the funnier you're not right. and he goes you got you got like you're funny you person funny it's not about part. your bits and i was like yeah i was like thanks a lot and it was an eye-opener that that's it was awesome. like yeah yeah be in the room
0: and be in, in the moment yeah that's you when can't, i sort of realized it too i was like i went to an open mic and there's one guy and i was just reading my jokes and i was like this is not gonna work <laughs> like you it's not gonna work. To engage another
1: time them. that it happened actually it was it was a it was a it was a godsend it was um uh that was maybe this one maybe it's the before this is that, that there was this, these guys who ran a, in a um, like a bringer room slash open mic room. Yeah. And I went there one week and I did it and it was a small audience but I did my material that I've been wanting to do. Mm. And then the next week I went back and this time it was just the guy and the two other comedians. These guys had seen my set the week before. Yeah, I all the so I started doing it and about a few minutes into it I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I go, you guys know <laughs> all my stuff. Like, why am I doing this? Yeah. And I said, you know, there's just, there's some other stuff I've been wanting to talk about and that's when I started riffing on the other stuff mm-hmm. and for like 30 minutes I was riffing and they were kind of like laughing wow. and throwing in ideas and it became like this work session I was like oh that's how I want to write
0: just got like 30 minutes of new it like was oh, 30 minutes of material stuff. it was
1: like a material that I was trying out. It was 30 minutes of trying it and right. maybe I came out of that with like 4 minutes of stuff that was decent that's awesome yeah you yeah. just
0: record that and listen to it <clears throat> record it listen it
1: fine tune it you know. but I realized that's how I want to do it like I want
0: to yeah totally you know like saying? have it be more of a conversation than like yeah. a speech I guess yeah That's awesome. And sometimes,
1: I'm sorry, and sometimes what happens is interesting because when you open up, like I watched, again, coming up I was watching guys like Eddie Griffin and these guys and like he would just go on and on and on and as a comedian like for the first 45 minutes it was funny but then after that it got annoying. I was like, just get off! We want to get up. Right. But you keep going but then in watching that I realized how loose he is with his style and Mm -hmm. I was like, oh wow, that's kind of interesting and sometimes things will happen on a set or on a show that you can never replicate again. That's true, yeah. But you have to ride that wave that night. So just the other night, um, I was doing a show um, at Flappers. It was it was like Armenian night. Okay. Um, these guys had, had me come out, and I was talking to the audience, and there's a lot of Armenians, a lot of Persians, and I go, are there any non-Armenian, non-Persian people? This girl raised her hand. What are you? She was Ecuadorian. Start talking to her. Talk to the dude next to her. I'm like, so, but you're Armenian, right? And the dude's like, yeah. And I go, what's your name? And he's like, Sevan. <laughs> and I was like, your name is Sevan? I was like, get out of here. And then we started riffing on Sevan. And the whole Four, five, night, six, seven. <laughs> exactly, the whole night, everything that would come up, like I was asking somebody, I was like, you know, who's got kids? These people had kids. I go, how old are your kids? And the lady's like, well, I have a 17 year old. Um, I have an eight year old and I have twin seven year olds. I'm like, Sevan, what are the chances she would have 2 Sevon Sevan-year-olds, a Sevan teen-year-old? So it became a thing. I could never again go anywhere and be like, I was doing a show. There was a guy right. named Sevan. Nobody you guys would know have to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Are
0: there any Ecuadorian-Armenian couples yeah, on the internet? Exactly.
1: Office? So it's great. It's great when you're talking to them and you're open, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, you know, it's funny you mentioned Eddie Griffin because I heard, uh, I wrote a quote that he said, the original room in mm-hmm. the comedy store is like such a great place to work out because those lights are so bright in your face and it's all black, like you can't see anything. He says you can only, like, hear and feel the audience, like, to know if a joke is working.
1: Absolutely. I agree with him 100%. I'm so obsessed
0: with the comedy store. Like, I totally buy into all that, like, lore and stuff. And it's just such a cool place.
1: Yeah, I think Mitzi had some, there was some method to her madness. You know, people, like, say she was crazy in one way or the other. I mean, what comedy club owner is not a little crazy? They're all a little crazy. But Mitzi definitely, you know, she ran into the whole problem of, like, not paying comedians. And she was like, this is a workout place. And this is a commune. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of like a brotherhood. and you know, some people go, Yeah, yeah, whatever, <laughs> like that's Pay bullshit, me, yeah. right? <laughs> but having come up at that club, it really like when I became a regular at the comedy store, I felt my growth as a comedian exponentially. Totally. Because yeah. what she would do is and I think Joe Diaz was telling me about this because he was saying I was complaining to, to Joey Diaz about like I'm up every night at like midnight and by the time I get up after Eddie Griffin bumps me, Dice bumps me, Paul Mooney bumps wow. me like I'm like I'm on at like one forty five, you yeah. know, and I was like and I gotta go to work the next day and I was like, This is crazy. And Joe Diaz would talk about how, like, he's like, she's got a plan, you know. Like, she puts you either last, like, late, or she puts you early when you're new, like this, because yeah. you, that's how you learn. Like, she's not going to give you the sweet spot. Right, yeah. She, if she gives you a 10.30 spot... You're going to knock the, it out the ballpark. Knock it out the ballpark. Or, or even if you are suck, you're going to get some laughs, and you're going to think, oh, I'm funny. Totally, yeah. And you won't grow. But if you're up at 12.45 or 1, and you're, follow, and you're following Dice, and, like, half the audience just left... You're forced to learn how to do it, and um, it makes it so that, like you just said, um, the, the stage is set up in a way where you're blinded by the lights, which yeah. is great because now you're not self-conscious. Right. When you can see the audience, and if you look out in the audience and you go, oh, my God, that guy looks like an executive from ABC, now you're like, oh, shit, I better bring my A-game. Yeah. And in trying to bring your A-game, you're going to like usually bomb. But if you don't know he's there, you don't know who's there, and you're just up there talking and just shooting the shit, it's the best thing in the world. Like you don't know like if somebody yells something at you, you don't know if they're a big black dude or if they're you yeah, know exactly. maybe from their voice a little you just bit. You hear it, yeah. You hear it. So it's great. It's that it's like you are you can't be intimidated up there. It's right. kinda like I'm let's go. You know. And um No, I love that stage. That's one of my favorite stages to this day. And I hear some people go, like, Oh yeah, it's really hard. That stage is like you gotta learn how to deal with it. I honestly feel like once I I feel like it really helped me, like like not coming up at like the improv where at the time the improv was like where all the uh, um, industry supposedly went. Like okay. I didn't feel like I had to perform for anybody, right. you know. Um, no, I love I love the comedy
0: store. Just seems like mm. such a cool place to learn how to like become a comic, like because there are like I I'll go there at like one forty five. There's just you know six people and like five of them are drunk. And Absolutely, they might yell out something. Yeah, and like that's you know the comedy magical we we hurry up and we're like oh please like no photos and stuff like that it's a great club Dude. but the comics never get a chance to deal with like the hecklers Yeah the comedy store is
1: crazy in terms of like I don't even know if we have security there yeah, it's, it's crazy Yeah it's just
0: the crazy people off the of sunset Boulevard. Yeah walking.
1: I had one time I was on stage and I was doing my set and then this guy walks in cuz like for people that don't know the room it's like you're looking out at the room. It's dark. There's lights that are, they, they just make the whole room is black.
0: Everything in the comic store is black. Black mm. seats, black carpet, yeah, black ceiling. Yeah, and and the the ori- and so, yeah. And mirrors. So, like, it's, like, super spooky. For yeah, some
1: and and mainly the original room is the one that's open because there's three rooms. Mm-hmm. But the original room open all every night. And uh, you're blinded. It's dark. And then the entrance is diagonally to your right, like, maybe, like, like 50 feet away, right? Yeah. And so I'm on stage, and this dude walks in, and he walks back, like through, like the, I think like the back side of the club, or maybe he might have come towards the front of the stage, in front of like, and it was like maybe like 15 people there that night. Yeah. He kind of walks in front of everybody, and then he starts coming towards the stage, and then he starts coming towards where the steps are to the left of oh the stage, God. and he's about to come up on stage, and no one has said anything to him this whole way. Yeah. So there's no one. Can you see him though? Kind of like I totally see him yeah. coming, and like at nobody, there's no. <laughs> There's no security. one. There's no one like security, nothing. And then the guy walks up, and he's coming up to the stage. I go, "Can I help you?" Yeah. And he's like, "Oh yeah, uh, I just want to tell a joke." I was like, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, I just got one joke." I'm like, "No, I'm, I'm doing a show. I'm doing a show here." <laughs> and he's like, "No, I just got one joke." He's like pleading with me, to let him up on stage. And I was like, uh, "Is there anyone working here that could help help get yeah. this guy out of here?" <laughs> and it was funny. Then like somebody came, going like, "What's going on?" I go, "This guy's trying to walk on stage." You know. And then it became fun, and it became a bit. Um, but, but the one joke comic, he just wants
0: to just get one
1: in. It's weird. I think the guy was just a nut job who just saw a comedy club and walked in, you know? That's the
0: thing. The whole like vibe, like when I came down from San Francisco, I was like, oh, Letterman started the comedy store. I'll go to the comedy store. Huge mistake. <laughs> like it's yeah. the first time I went, like Yakov, like did a guest appearance. I was like his name is on the neon. Like, yeah. What yeah, am I yeah. doing here? I'm yeah. yeah. Get out of
1: here. No, it was cool. You know, I mean, I, when I first started, I used to sit back in the back and watch and you get intimidated, but then. Um, I started doing the belly room a lot, which was the upstairs okay. room, and those were bringer rooms at yeah. that point. Um, and, That's such um, a cool room, too. It's right a now. great room. I love it. Yeah. And cool it was, was great because, you know, doing a bringer show, it's you and a bunch of other people, and none, none of you are that great. <laughs> um, and so I was like, I'd be the best of the worst, and so I would have a good set, and I yeah. would also bring a lot of people. So I kind of gained my confidence in the in the club. I remember one night it was kind of cool. It was like a Saturday night, and I was on stage, and they had... George Carlin doing the main room and they had wow. Dice in the original room. I was like, this is amazing. I'm like <laughs> on stage at the same time as these two it's guys. So cool. It's pretty cool. man. It's pretty it's cool, And the other thing is that by doing the comedy store, because you get these guys coming through, you had to follow some of these guys and it really strengthens you to the point where like, I've heard some comedians be like, I don't want to follow that guy. I don't want to follow that guy. And it's like, dude, you got to just get up and figure out how to go up after the next person. Yeah. Like I was doing a show one time at... Uh, What's called? I think it's called Mixed Nuts now. Maybe uh, there was a black comedy room on Pico. I don't know what they call it. The Comedy Union, I think. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't know comedy what it's called Union. now. Yeah. But it used to be Mixed Nuts, and I was I was getting ready to go next, and there was this one comedian named Pierre who was on stage killing. And then the owner came up to me. He's like, "Hey, you wanna want you wanna go? Maybe like a little after yeah. or like." And I was like, "No, I'll go up next." I mean, like, I didn't think about it. It wasn't that I was like, "Oh, I can handle it." It was just like, "Oh, I'm next. I should go next." Yeah. It wasn't that like, "Oh, I can chicken out and." Let someone else go next. Right, yeah. You know, so that's the other thing that it teaches you is to really deal with whatever your situation is. And sometimes you're going to go up and eat shit.
0: And that's how you become better, right? That's how you become better.
1: Or, yeah, or, you, or figuring out how to, how to follow thunder. Yeah, totally. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it, and it continues, by the way. Like, just the other night, I was at the Comedy Store main room, and I had to follow Bill Burr. Wow. And he was killing And I was like, and he was. It was a lot of new topical material. And I was like, okay, where am I? What am I going to do? What am I? And I was in my head trying to figure out what to do. And I was like, just, just, just do your set, you know. And I ended up going up, and I think I had like ten to twelve good minutes, and then like the last few minutes, it kind of just fizzled out, which is weird because I have. Hours and hours of material, but yeah. at some point I was like, "Okay, I'm done." Like I felt like I, I did it. I like, was like, "Let me get off the stage now." Wow. Yeah. So it continues. Like 17 years into it, you go, and it wasn't just I followed Bill before, and it wasn't a problem right. for whatever reason. That night,
0: it just like it was this thing where I was like, ah, you know, going so, through the material. Yeah. Yeah. I actually saw you one time. Now that I think of it, at the comedy store in the O.R. <clears throat> Sorry, and uh, it was kind of a little bit later. I think there were like a lot of pop-ins, and you came in. And there was this group of six Australian guys in the front row, uh-huh. and you're just riffing with them and doing like an Australian accent, and they're totally like having fun with you, and it was super cool to watch. Like, yeah, I'm telling you, I love, I love that, that stuff. The, end of the moment stuff,
1: dude, I love that stuff, and I love like the other thing about the original room that happens. Jeff Scott, who plays the piano, he'll riff, and I'll do like a song about the guy who came up before me, <laughs> and it's just it's just a great way to land for yeah. me. I love. It. I wish I could bring that to every show um unfortunately just i just the old like
0: timey ragtime, time yeah, just you know, somebody
1: like, to play before you go up and then go up and riff on the guy before you yeah. it's so much fun because all you got to do is like i'm pretty good at like improvising music um certain types of music like yeah. not rapping but like either la- like jazz loungy or like or just like something that he'll play like a jumpy like and I, <laughs> and I just and i'll just riff on whatever was on before and it doesn't even have to be funny you just got to repeat what the guy said before totally, so like yeah. you know i might even go up and say let's say, let's say i fall like steve Byrne, i'll be like you know st- you know so Jeff Scott will play like dum bum dum and I go up. I'll be like, keep it going for you. Steve Burn, That was Steve Burns. Steve Burn. Steve Burns. Steve Burns. Steve Burns. Steve Byrne, Steve. And as I'm doing it, now it turns into, and he's going ding and ding and ding and ding. I'm like Steve Burns. Steve Burn, You know, he's Asian. He's white. Asian white. White Asian. Caucasian. You know, whatever it is. But direct. And I'm just yeah. And I'm just kind of repeating his jokes. Yeah. Or one joke or one thing he said or something about him. And it's like a good one-minute riff at the top where yeah. people are like, "Oh, that was fun," and then I'll end by going like, "Yeah," i "Okay, I'm done. I'm out of here." <laughs> but for whatever reason, it just, it's just—it's a great way to land. You know, totally.
0: Yeah, I do that sometimes. I'll, I'll like because so you're watching all those guys at open mics. So I'll like do a callback to the first guy's joke or something. Yeah, like that. and then people like look at you like, "Is this guy like crazy? Like, why is he? We already heard that."
1: Yeah, if you can do a good callback to the guy before you. One time, I followed Dice, and he had just finished doing his bit where he talks about like. um um, I think he was talking about sucking ass. <laughs> sucking ass, was it? He's was, was got hot soup, hot soup. He used to do this thing about hot hey, soup. Yo. Made no sense. He's like, hot soup, hot soup. And I think I even asked him, I was like, what does that mean? He's like, it's just funny to say, I don't know. <laughs> but 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 he did a whole thing about like sucking ass and he just like got really into sucking. Like he's like, I'm sucking ass, ass this, suck that, da, da, da. on and on and on and on. So I, and, then, and then I followed that. Yeah. So I had to go up and be like, sucking ass like because the whole audience was kind of bombarded with sucking ass right so i was like wow that's a, I was like, that's a lot of sucking an ass and then i riffed into like you know you know wow that's like how, like how do you come up with so much suck ass material and then like something i forget where i went with it like it became like a bit about like you know maybe the olympics should have ass sucking competition or whatever but it was it, and then i and then i and then i had to transition and be like listen, i came up on stage i was gonna i was gonna do some jokes about the iraq war <laughs> You know, but uh, here we are talking about ass, suck ass suck. <laughs> but I had to do it because I couldn't have gone up and been like, So, anyway, what's the Bush administration doing right, here? Right, you know, yeah. right after they heard suck ass for 10 minutes, yeah. So, yeah, you really got to learn how to transition. transition in between comics, yeah, yeah.
0: That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Dice and George Carlin. Do you ever like bump into any of your heroes in the hallways over there? Yeah, I mean, all the time. I mean, the first it was
1: funny because one of the first times I was uh, I was on stage, I I passed Paul Mooney, and um, and I was like, I was so green. I was like, "Uh, Mr. Mooney, I just would like to say that it's a pleasure to be on the same (laughs) stage as you. And I think Mooney had no idea how to handle that because he's so kind of cynical, right? And I think he was like, Oh, uh, okay, okay, yeah, all right, okay, whatever, homie. (laughs) And like, and I was like, (laughs) and I felt like an idiot. I felt like a green, like rookie, right? You know. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of the of these clubs too. That's the beauty of comedy is that you run across. Like, if you're a rock star. Uh, you're probably not hanging out at like the dinky little clubs, right? Totally. And meeting like the newest musician yeah. that's doing it. You're not bumping
0: to Paul McCartney at the Roxy or something. Exactly. Like that. <laughs> but
1: when you're a comedian, you're bumping. In. These guys are stopping by all the time to try out their stuff. That's crazy. So yeah. it's great. It's great to just be among these guys and and. Uh, and, you know, I used to watch uh, Dom Herrera as somebody. I used to oh, watch Dom him. as yeah. a kid. I used, to, I used to watch him as when I was in high school. Yeah. And he was one of the first guys that I loved. So and now, fun. like, get to hang out and talk to the guy. And he's just a great guy, you That's know. so cool, yeah. Yeah.
0: Who are some of your heroes? Like, when you, I, knew, I read in the book you liked uh, Eddie Murphy a lot. That.
1: Eddie Murphy was, like, number one. Eddie yeah. Murphy, for me, was the guy who probably inspired me to get into this stuff. Because he was so big at the time. Yeah, and, Delirious. And yeah, yeah, Delirious. And it was just like, oh, he was hilarious. And... And all the s n l sketches right. and everything, so I didn't remember if he was definitely number one um and then I used to watch all these guys, like I just told you like I saw Robin Williams at a um club in in San francisco yeah. um you know uh I just loved comedy, I realized that I was surrounded by all my friends were comedy fans, right, and so was I, so I'd be watching whatever, evening at the improv or whatever, so all the guys like the the your your um your seinfelds and and, and you know, all the late night shows and all those guys. I used to watch all those guys. I'm trying to think some of the more, like there was a, what's his name? Uh, Rodney Dangerfield Comedy, Young oh, Comedian yeah, Special. Yeah, yeah, no. I used to watch, so like I, I think I discovered Dice there. Yep. There was a guy named Bob Nelson who was oh, okay, hilarious. Yeah. He used to do prop comedy. Um, uh, Barry Sobel. Oh, uh, wow, yeah. I mean, all these guys were on there. I remember Otto watching. there George
0: was with the puppet.
1: Uh, you know, I don't, I, remember Otto, I, don't, I don't remember seeing Otto George on there. But I'm sure he was on one of them because he did a bunch of those. Mm-hmm. Then there was another one that was like a um, like a black young black comedian special. And it had Marshall Warfield. It had Arsenio Hall. Wow, yeah. Eddie Murphy was in the audience. Paul Mooney was in the audience. That's actually when Barry Sobel, that's when I saw Barry Sobel because he was the one white guy on that show. Um, so, yeah, all these guys. We used to watch these guys all the time. And that was, you know, that was when there wasn't, a million channels to watch people right, on. Yeah. So everybody knew if you just watched one, you s- you're you seeing like the biggest guys. Totally. Yeah. You know,
0: no, I, I grew up like just watching it and I always loved comedy as a kid. And I, it, I never really like knew how you just become a comedian when I was a kid. I was like, I didn't understand. Nobody how. knows how. Yeah. Nobody knows. Until how. Later I was like, Oh, open mics and all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like 15, and I remember watching Comedy Central one night. It was me, my mom, and dad, and the Axis of Evil oh, just yeah. came out. yeah, yeah, And we would heard, like my dad heard on the radio, like, there's going to be an Iranian comedian on Comedy Central tonight. So uh, we have to watch. And I saw you, and I was just like, oh, my God, like, he's Iranian, I'm Iranian. Like, yeah, this is possible. You can man. do it. Yeah, like, yeah,
1: yeah, it's great. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, first of all, nobody knows. It's like, like you just said, even if you're not – Iranian or not Middle so you just don't know. there's so
0: many paths that people.
1: It's not like going to you want to be a doctor. Okay, you got to go to grad school. You get you want to be a lawyer. Da da You want to be a comedian. What do we got to do? And and then also, what do you want to do with comedy? Do you want to be a comedy writer? Do you want to be a sketch guy? Do you want to be an improv actor? Do you want to be a stand-up? What do you? There's a million things. Right. Yeah. With stand-up, what do you want to do? Do you want to be a touring comedian? Do you want to get a TV show? Do you? You know, there's a million things. Yeah. So I think that um. That, like you said, when you see these guys doing it and then, and then you're really curious about it, so then you start reading about how they get into it or you start listening to interviews or when whatever. When did
0: you like figure it out? Was it like in college or high school? Dude,
1: I didn't figure it out until I was in my mid 20s. Yeah. Because I, again, my parents really pushed me to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Same so, year, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I was going that route. And then um, my last year in undergrad, I was a Cal. Um, a stand-up comedy competition came up uh, on the on the hip-hop station in Northern California. Oh, cool. And I submitted a tape. I didn't have stand-up. I just submitted a minute tape of me doing different characters. Yeah. And they picked me to be in this thing. And, then, awesome. and then I quickly found out that it was like a black comedy competition. <laughs> and I quickly found out that I don't have material for it. And thank God, the guy who was promoting it just didn't sell enough tickets, so he canceled it. And I was like, oh my, god, because in my mind, I was like, because I was just graduating from Cal, and I was going to be going into grad school, and he was saying, he's like, yeah, we're doing this big competition, it's going to be, in, I think it was like, if I'm not mistaken, it might have been a 5,000-seater, but it might have been a 1,000-seater, oh whatever gosh. it was, it was yeah. a huge place. That's amazing. And he was like, we're going to do it, and I'm going to have people, executive from Showtime and HBO and all these other <laughs> things. So in my back of my mind, I'm graduating undergrad, getting ready to go to grad, but thinking, I'm like... Maybe I will be discovered at this thing and I won't have to do this. Yeah. Like maybe someone I'll get my TV show right. off of this one gig. Yeah. I mean that's so naive. Like that's you're not good enough. You're right. not you, you know, you need a lot of work. So Do
0: you remember any of the characters that you submitted I just did it was horrible. Like I did I did well I
1: did, I did I did a minute I did a minute long video. I had a friend of mine back then like video cameras weren't as um prevalent right. as they are now. So my friend was in the audio video department of cal mm-hmm. so he got his camera we went into a, a classroom and i just did like five or six characters for a dating video you know back oh, nice, then you yeah. would actually have dating videos right, yeah. so so like whatever i did like one guy Bachelor was like one. yeah i was like hello you know i'm, <laughs> I'm you know whatever james Winthrop, and i would love to you know date you i will wine you dine you whatever <laughs> and then from there like turned into what this other character are they just accents right and I'm surprised that they picked me. Like they must have had, <laughs> I think they either had really bad people mm-hmm. or I think they might have thought like this guy would be the guy that we will laugh at. Oh no. Yeah, this guy would be the th- terrible guy. Just the one know? guy in the set. Oh jeez. Oh, so uh, thank so God they, it canceled, right? Oh like, yeah, yeah, thank God it canceled. <laughs> um and, and so then after that There's I,
0: like a bad start in stand up comedy. It's like in front of five thousand people. <laughs> oh
1: my god. That would have been so I would've you know, I, I I would have been traumatized the rest oh. of my life. So no, so so we basically um but, but but I put an act together off of that, mm-hmm. and the act was horrible. But I brought it. I, my parents were living in L.A., and so I came to L.A. for the summer. And Alex Borstein, who is oh, from, yeah, Matt from Matt TV, TV yeah. she and I were both teaching reading at some like summer program where you teach reading to kids. Yeah. So she told me, yeah, I do sketch. I do uh, stand-up. And she's like, I got a place I'm going to be doing stand-up. You should come do it. So I go, okay. So I went with her. Nice. And it was a place in the valley. It was called Gallagher's. It was a bar. Oh wow. So I went over. I did it. And, uh, again, it was a five-minute act. It wasn't that good. But the owner of the bar was like, hey, you're pretty good. You should come back. I was like, great. Then I did an open mic at what used to be the improv. They had an improv in Santa Monica. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did there. And then after that, I didn't do it again. I was like, because I went back to Cal to finish my undergrad, Mm. and I did not know what to do. I was like, this is all that's like a pipe dream. I was like, this is a hobby. So I just let it go. And it wasn't until, like I said, I came down to LA and several years later when I got into Judy Carter's thing. My excuse for not pursuing it, I think, was because I was like, I don't know how to write. I can, I was I was comfortable being on stage mm-hmm. and doing plays, yeah. but I didn't know how to write or what to write about. And so it wasn't it's until... It's hard
0: because you wrote it, so if it does bad, that was Absolutely. you. If yeah. somebody else wrote it, you're like, oh, well, the writing's not But that's when good you book.
1: come to realize that with stand-up, it's just about talking about whatever's on your mind mm-hmm. and just continue to do that over and over and over and over and over and over and over right. over again, doing it five to 10 times a week, doing it for seven to 10 years. And eventually you realize, oh, this is who I am. It's like therapy. Yeah. So finally you go, okay, you know what? I'm a, I'm a misogynistic dick, <laughs> but I'm going to take that on stage and make it funny somehow. Yeah. You know, Or you're going to go and say, you know, I am a, a nervous, uh, a, a anxious wreck. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take that on stage And make it funny. But it takes time. It it is like therapy. So it takes time for you to find that voice. of like.
0: did you, like, sort of... I mean, I'm sure there's hundreds of markers where you know. But, like, when is, like, the key, like, defining moment, if you could think back, where you're like, oh, I'm... I got a hang of this, like standard Oh, thing. Gosh,
1: I don't know. Was I maybe mean, t- I still a paid regular at the comedy show. No, I would, definitely was not that. That being a paid regular came pretty early, and okay. and I was still lost. I, I I remember doing a set where I was doing my scripted material mm-hmm. and getting mediocre laughs, and it was coming off of doing bringer shows where I had friends in the audience, and all the other comedians weren't that good, mm-hmm. uh, so I would do well with right. my little scripted set yeah but then when i got in the original room and i'm doing my scripted set and there's um there's uh what should i tell my is it okay if we hear in the back Yeah. so when i'm when i'm now when i'm at the comedy store doing my scripted set and there's other professional comedians going up and there's no one in the audience that knows who i am and these jokes that were getting laughs are now getting like a, uh, 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 kind of chuckles. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? And then watching, there was a guy's name was Vinny Favorito. He used to oh, do. Yeah. He's uh, in Vegas, right? Yeah, he's Vegas yeah. now. Um, he used to do like crowd work that I learned, later learned that it was like um, pre, pre-set, like it was material, but it looked like crowd work. He was very good at yeah. He kind of like he'd be like you know uh, are there any are there any uh, you know are there any Italians here? They have jokes for Italian. Are there any? he had jokes, right? Um, And you know, I'm guilty sometimes myself of doing things like that. But but his whole thing was that it was very funny. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was amazing how the audience uh, um, reacted to him, and that was one of the times where I was like, oh wow, you can talk to the audience, and oh you know like you can leave your script and yeah. So, yeah, I definitely, that was not where I had the like, the, becoming a regular was a break in, in it was basically like getting into, like, Harvard. Right, yeah. Because totally. you go, okay, now I'm going to learn some shit. Exactly. Yeah. And then it was, like, many years of learning that shit. Like, I, I don't know when I felt like, oh, wow, my voice is really clear now. I mean, to this day, sometimes I go, what is my voice? Still working on it. And, and <clears throat> it's become a lot of times, like, now I talk about my, my kids and my frustrations with, with raising kids and... And I feel like okay, there's something there, like you know. And I've and I've tried to explain. I think if I had to really sit down and and think about it, it's like I am someone who can get frustrated with things. I'm a nice person, mm-hmm. but I also get frustrated with things. Yeah. And so I think like because I've had times where I've talked to writers when we're trying to like write a show around me, and I'm like, I, the show isn't just about be, me, me being Middle Eastern because that's not it. Right. There's more to me than that. Really, at the core of me is this. Like if you see me on stage, I'm very high energy. So it's this guy who can get frustrated with like something, and that frustration can turn into this high energy, um, you know. And I'm trying to be the right, guy. I'm trying to do the right thing, yeah. I'm trying to be a nice guy, but sometimes I end up, you know, doing something that's kind of jackassy, you know. <laughs> um, so like I actually I wrote a, a short that I did. Uh, it was called uh, My Two Worlds. Um and it was with uh and I cast Ahmed Ahmed and air and uh um Ian Edwards to be in it oh, and cool. and that was kind of like me trying to write for myself, and it was this episode where I wake up, I go outside, someone is spray painted, go home arab on my fence and i 'm uh and i 'm upset about it, mm-hmm. and then we 're at a cafe talking, and these guys are like, dude you need to calm down i 'm like listen man i'm <laughs> i 'm upset i and they go It's okay, you know. You need to calm down a little bit. But yeah, I'm like, like, they didn't even get it right. I go, I'm not Arab. Like, that's the whole point. And then I'm as like, well, what's wrong with being Arab? And I'm like, nothing. I'm just saying, Iranians (laughs) aren't Arab. We're different. And then, then, so here I am trying to do the right right thing, but it's like spiraling. Yeah. And then Ian's like, oh, I hate that. I go, what? He goes, I hate it when people think just because they have a black friend they can use the N-word. I'm like, I never said that. He goes, you're implying that right now by saying that... You know, because you have Arab <laughs> friends, it's okay to di- diss the Arab. Enemy. So it becomes this thing. It's very almost curb your enthusiasm in yeah, a way. Totally, yeah. But I feel like that's like my the real me, like trying to do the right thing. But like curb is like he might be a little more of a curmudgeon. I'm right. not a curmudgeon. I'm just this guy who's trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Um That's and,
0: my favorite style of comedy. It's just find like one thing and then try to solve it, but all it just these gets worse world and walks. worse. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So I mean I feel like that is a little bit of my personality. It happens a lot, like in my regular day, like if I'm walking around the house and I'll see like, let's say the kids have left like, let's say some clay on the ground. So I mm. go down to pick up the clay. And when I'm down, I look and I see underneath the, uh, the cupboards, like there's a nail sticking out. I'm like, yeah. oh, come on. Then I go to get the <laughs> nail and then I can't find like the pliers. And then I get the plier and I start working with a plier, and the plier then like comes loose and breaks. And I'm like, <laughs> "This is bullshit." And I like, you know, what I'm saying it just becomes right. more and more. So it's that's what that's what. Just use the clay to, yeah, sort of because I'm it also because I'm like I'm somebody who can't let that go. Like right. I have a little bit of a little bit of um, wanting to like you know I won't say obsessive compulsive, but a little bit like I need to clean that shit up. Like like some people just live in that. Some people right. go like I'm gonna walk right past that i can't
0: just that one thing it's just all that one
1: thing and it drives me nuts and i'm like what is i go i did not i did not sign up to be a handyman but here
0: i am and it just becomes so that's kind of i have friends who like will hear me talk about like my day like that and they're like why can't you just let that go i'm like oh that's what normal people that just walk by (laughs) yeah some people can just walk by that shit i (laughs) can't walk by yeah
1: (laughs) i can't i can't do it you know that's so funny yeah so yeah, so I think that's like I think that's when you find your voice is you just keep going and going and yeah, going. Yeah, that's know? what I
0: love about Sam, too. It's like it never ends. There's, yeah, you just can keep going until you know. And,
1: and then you have to ask yourself like, what's my opinion on certain things? You know, like again, watching Bill do his thing on he was it was great. He was doing a whole bit on Trump. He did a whole bit on um on Caitlyn Jenner. And sometimes I realize that I take the easy way out in mm. terms of just finding something that's kind of comedic about it and then touching and moving. Especially listening to Burr kind of elaborate on it. I was like, you know, I should get my opinion out. Like, that's what ultimately people want to hear is your opinion. Right. What is your opinion on Trump? So you sit down, and you're like, well, the guy's a jackass. Well, why is he a jackass? Because he just just says all the stuff that he says. And so you go, 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 until you find the punchlines, and then you go on stage and maybe riff on it, and totally, you know, yeah. and don't be afraid that people might not agree with you. You know, ultimately, if you can find the funny in it, then it's fine if they don't agree the with point
0: you. Point of view is super hard, I feel like, to figure out. Yeah. It? Absolutely, yeah,
1: and and do it, and not be afraid to do it, right?
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna ask you about uh your movie that you were working on, Jimmy Vestwood. Jimmy Vestwood. Yeah, so Jimmy is like the
1: I, I have such respect now for filmmakers. Is it out yet? Cause no, cause it's not out. It, it, we so we made it. We made it in 2013. Okay. Did the editing? Got it into the Austin Film Festival in 2014.
0: I saw a picture of you in a Pecon like around la and i was like that's the funniest yeah it was cool this guy had a paycon paycon is uh for you guys listening is like the worst car it's like a pinto it's like the pinto
1: iranian pinto yeah Yeah. all this talk Um, about the
0: iran deal going on right now it's like will they have a nuclear weapon it's like just look at the cars yeah yeah, they don't haven't perfected that yet Mm
1: -hmm. so um yeah it was a fun movie to do it was great i mean there's a lot of first of all i have the utmost respect for filmmakers because these people like Spend their, you know, six, seven years writing, directing, yeah. raising the money, blah, 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 get the movie made. And then I always say like, and then some critic comes out and like pisses on it. Like yeah. if I was just a filmmaker, I would have a bat because I would just, <laughs> I'd be going around go cracking people them. in the head. I'd be like, how dare you? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know how much work I put into this? That said, it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing, but it's a, it's a fun thing to do because you ultimately have control. So we wrote this movie called Jimmy Vestfoot American Hero. Me and my writing partner's name is Amiro Hepsian. Uh, we co-produced it with him and, and my manager, Ray Mohit, we all produced it together. Um, Jonathan, yeah, it's, it's Jonathan. kind of like a
0: bullet, <clears throat> Serpico, cop. Yeah, it's movie. like a, it's
1: like more like we we kind of compare it to like a Persian Pink Panther meets Borat kind of oh, a perfect. thing. Yeah, That's yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. I mean, he loves bullet. He loves these guys, but he but he is really not. He's kind of a bumbling idiot. <laughs> uh, we got Jonathan Kesselman to direct it. He's the guy. He directed a movie called The Hebrew Hammer. Oh yeah, yeah. which was a funny movie, and it kind of was in that vein. Right. So we did it. It was fun. We did eighteen days in L.A um that's you so know fast. it was I have very fast no movies it's, three it. six day weeks it's very fast yeah. like, usually they go a lot more um but then i just somebody just told me that uh was it whiplash the drum movie oh yeah yeah. they said that that did 18 days i was like holy shit that's wow. pretty impressive yeah but um well, that's but just
0: yeah. in a music studio jimmy busford is the yeah, yeah yeah crime hero. <laughs> yeah
1: exactly so it was it was fun man it was a lot of fun and We got in Austin. We won a comedy prize there. And now, like, finding the distribution is a whole other level of work. It's like trying to get someone on board to distribute it has been the reason it's kind of been on hold for a bit. And and we're hoping we can get it out in early January or February of next year.
0: Is Netflix like a bad.
1: Netflix and those guys are all good, but they don't pay you that much unless if you have like, if you get a theatrical release, like, we're really kind of going for the Hail Mary. We're hoping that we put it out, limited release, and get. Some good, uh, you know, awesome. box office. Yeah, totally. It doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be killer box office. It's just some good box office, just to make a little bit of a buzz. Right. Because then you can parlay that into a better Netflix play, a better Showtime play, a better whatever it is. Um, but it is a challenge. Like if anybody's out there thinking about making a movie, I would say keep it as low budget as possible. Yeah. Uh, find ways to distribute it. Um, you know, like if you did a movie for like, you know, shot it for thirty thousand. Which is nothing. Um, then, if you got it on a Vimeo or a iTunes or something, you can stand to make your money back. Because yeah. ultimately, you want to make it. Because you could say, "Oh, I'm an artist. I don't care about the money." Well, you should care about the money because if you want to make another movie, you want to show your investors that you it made the be money. Good, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, um, so that's 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 where we're at.
0: That's so awesome! I, I, I'm dying to see that movie. It looks so funny. Thanks, man.
1: It's fun. I th- I say it's like a movie that like. 12 to 25-year-old men and, uh, and stoners are going to like it. <laughs> it's a fun stoner movie. I'm telling you, dude. Because so, the, the characters are so
0: outlandish. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. so funny. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about like uh, Iranian parents, too. And I noticed like there's so much uh, in Iranian culture that translates into American humor, too. Like We have sarcasm, which a lot of countries don't, which is really cool. But I, I don't know if we have irony. I feel like Iranians don't really get that.
1: No, Iranians don't get it. I think that they don't get irony at all. Like I and and I don't know if it would be irony or sarcasm, but it would be. I guess it would be irony. No, I'm not sure what this would be. But the but the example I always use is I always say an American. If you went to a comedy club with an American comedian and the and it could be an American audience, mm-hmm. and the comedian could be like, Yeah, so I was at the I was at the I was at a nightclub trying to pick up a chick. The night went on, it was two in the morning, the lights came up there was no one left it was just me and the asian boy cleaning the place mm-hmm. so anyway i'm banging the asian boy <laughs> so we know he did not bang the asian boy but i think iranian audiences would they, they, they like when i say iranian i mean like the asian boy. yeah i mean older <laughs> they iranians believe. they're like he had sex with an asian boy does his mother know about this you know they don't get that like no i'm being i'm joking right. you know and and i don't know if that would be sarcastic facetious. or facetious yeah. maybe yeah
0: that's so funny. So we don't have that. Yeah, really. It's funny. We totally don't have. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a but, good tip. So I'll remember. Yeah, that. remember that. that. Kind of joke.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's why I think, like,
0: but the rhythm. Do you think? Do you think anything translates from that having Iranian parents? Like,
1: no, I mean, I think that Iranians do joke telling
0: grew up in America. So it's like, but like, I feel like there's a little bit of that.
1: Iranians so, like, do joke telling, like, <laughs> okay. uh, you know, a guy from this place and a guy from that place and right. a guy from that place where walk you know walk into a bar, a bar yeah. whatever. So that's what they do. Um I, and we like to laugh. Iranians like to laugh. Mm. Um I think the accent is fun to do. Uh talking about your parents. It's always fun if you talk about your parents and then you have fun accented parents to talk about that helps. Right. But other than that, I don't know if like being Iranian helps actual stand up in terms of you know, like any kind of rhythm or anything like that that it comes from it. I'm not sure.
0: It's just the accent that I'm gonna
1: The accent and then also the material you have from your parents. I mean any Kid that has immigrant parents has a lot of material, yeah. Because a big part of it is them not getting it and you getting it, and you oh. having to explain it.
0: And that's so relatable to everybody. Like everybody. everybody gets that. Yeah. Everybody, my
1: parents don't get it, right? You yeah. know, parents just don't understand. And
0: that's that's when I was I growing mean, up. Uh, I don't know if you remember George Lopez's "Why You Crying" special. I don't. I don't remember seeing it, but I just replaced every word where he was like Mexican parents do this, Mexican grandmas do that with Iranian, and I just it was my favorite special when i was growing up yeah you know well
1: i've started i i started saying yeah i started saying immigrant instead of saying iranian because i realized what you just said that immigrants have the same experiences so i remember one time i was doing some joke about like my grandmother hiding her money in her bra Mm -hmm. and there was these mexican girls in the audience just dying of laughter (laughs) and i realized oh they have the same thing yeah you know um so so yeah yeah, very similar
0: and i just want to ask you real quick too you've performed all over the world and you've played amazing places what were some of you like, do you have any crazy stories of playing overseas or some well, of your mean, favorite places that you've played at before?
1: It's fun. The good news is that the world is now so much smaller because of the internet. Yeah. So you can go, I've always said like, you go to Saudi Arabia and do a joke about Lindsay Lohan and they're like, I Oh, yeah. you know that Lindsay, <laughs> she's always in the rehab, you know, they know who she is. Yeah. That's amazing. It's amazing. Um, so that's a good thing, um, and uh, there's some places. I mean, I love like I love play, performing anywhere that's kind of. I, I hate playing in front of a homogenous crowd, whether it's all American or all right. Iranian or all Egyptian. I don't like that. Yeah. I like to have a mixed crowd because I like to know who's here that doesn't. You know who's who else is here. Matter of fact, when I like I did that Armenian show the other night. That's why when I first went on stage, I was like, "Who's not Iranian or Armenian here?" Yeah. I want to talk to you. Yeah. Like, I've, I've, people have I already can see all the other. <laughs> yeah, the ten people that went up before me were talking to you know about the Armenians and the Iranians, and that's right. fine. But I'm like, "Who else is here? How did you end up here? Who do you know?" <laughs> I'm curious. You know, yeah. it's like, how do you end up in this? And I love, I love mixed, and I love, I think that it's just it's it's fun to have that, and so it's been great. And like, and you end up in a place like like for example, like Stockholm was amazing the doing shows in stockholm like wow. they're so they're very internationally minded i think they're very politically and like minded. are there
0: like theaters there or comedy clubs theaters
1: like? and and comedy clubs okay. like so when you go though you do a theater like whether it's a bigger theater depending on what city you're in
0: yeah so stockholm is it really cool. was
1: interesting because sweden has a very open uh or had a very open i think they still do immigration policy so mm. a lot of iranians ended up there oh, so okay. when i go to sweden the core audience is Iranian, but then there's others. There's Swedes and there's you know Russians and whoever else is there. They yep. show up, you know. So uh, it's good to have that core audience that wants to come out and see one of theirs. Yeah. But then having others mix in, and now you've got a full show. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So yeah, like Stockholm was great. Like I love doing DC because it's very international. Um, like San Francisco, anywhere that's very cosmopolitan, I love. Totally. Well, I mean, sometimes you're surprised by places. I went to Charlotte. South Carolina and no, Charlotte, North Carolina. Sorry, North Carolina, Charlotte, and uh,
0: totally diverse audience. Well, it was, it wasn't just that
1: there were diverse, there they they were big laughers. They really got it. It yeah. was a comedy club called the Comedy Zone, and it was like on a night. I see, we're gonna go back soon. I went with Amir K, and we cool. went, and uh, it was like a rock and roll show, man. That's and I awesome. was like, whoa, yeah. and it was, it was mixed, and there was like a Persian dude that had like a leather vest with like a cowboy hat and i was like how did you end up like He's that just blending in no the dude was like straight up like hey welcome you know that's like so he had a little cool. bit of a drawl i'm yeah. like holy shit it's pretty cool yeah
0: that's awesome so yeah. Uh, yeah so when you tour do you go i mean what's like in between new york and the east coast washington and san francisco i
1: probably there's probably like i said i i, I probably do a lot of uh places that have uh kind of Diverse uh, populations. Mm-hmm. I'll do Atlanta. Um, I'll do Chicago, um, uh, Portland, uh, Seattle, uh, Miami, or Fort Lauderdale. Really, um, you know. But I've never done. Let's say I've never gone to North Dakota. I don't know if there's anything there. I don't yeah, know who I does know shows sure. there. I'm sure there are people. There's never bananas done, never, in North yeah, Dakota. Never done like Oklahoma. But then again, like I've I've been invited by colleges a lot of times. Like student groups in oh, some yeah. of these colleges. Like I went to Memphis because it was like the Iranian student group. I went to.
0: How are those colleges, by the way? Because I hear they're talking about a lot, and comics say that you know they're very like PC and. Well, they've
1: always been. Colleges have always been like you can't say this that, and the other, but you kind of go there and like you kind of you can walk the line, and the students want to hear it, and the administration yeah. doesn't, you know. Right. Um, so for me, a lot of times I don't get invited by like the university itself, because I don't. I'm not doing material that like 18 year old kids are, are that into. Right. But. I tend to get invited by, invite, like I said, the Persian student group, the Saudi, Pers- the, the Saudi student group. The, the like. Sometimes there'll be like uh, um, uh, International Week, and I'll get invite, invited to that. <laughs> and so the kids that are coming to that are all the kids the that are it. interested right. in like international kind of... I forget where I was. Where was I recently? I think it might have been... I was in Oregon. I did University of Oregon. And it was the Saudi student group. And it was uh, like an afternoon thing. Yeah. And, and i was performing and it was pretty packed like it was like i don't know 4 500 like 500 people mm. but i asked them i go i was like you guys are the only like international students on the campus like cuz i go no one else seems to be here like yeah. like the others like either didn't know about it or they're not as interested about it but the kids that are internationally minded are gonna be there
0: right yeah so i mean that's kind of like are they fun do you enjoy like performing at yeah there?
1: they're fun and a lot of times i'm very impressed you know because a lot of times you go oh my god it's students whatever but they but they tend to get together and put together a pretty good show and the good news is whenever it's like student run like they'll really get the community behind it yeah so you don't have to worry about like selling tickets and stuff they're just gonna take care of it right um and they do a good job of getting people out because people want to support these groups yeah so it's nice for us not to have to worry about like, what's the ticket count? What's this? What's that? But rather like going like, oh, because these guys have kind of, it's a a group, everyone from that Just group is supporting it. They're all going to yeah. come and they tend to be very nice and respectful. And, and
0: so, yeah, those are fun. That's cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And I heard you perform for a king too one time or a prince? King
1: of it? Jordan. The King of Jordan, when we first did Access to Evil and we went to the Middle East with it, it was me, Ahmed, and Aaron Cater. Oh, cool. Um, and when we did I Jordan. I
0: uh, he performed in a Groundlings show oh, last really? week. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. He was super funny. He was yeah, doing yeah. improv, but he's yeah. a funny guy. Yeah, Aaron's funny.
1: He used to do Groundlings. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when we were in Jordan, the King of Jordan showed up at our show, which was pretty oh pretty damn cool. It was Did they just really, come and tell you like hey, they told us the night before, like they told no us. Stress, but- yeah, they were talking. They were talking to us beforehand. He may be there. He may be there. And then finally, like the the night before, they're like, "Someone's coming. We can't say who, but no filming is allowed." And we're like, "Oh, the King is coming!" Oh my and gosh. it was really cool. And it was super cool. He invited us to the palace the next day, and wow. we he met us and. It was just very like, was he was very supportive. Like, was it just incredible? It was cool. It's actually Jordan is one of the poorer countries in the region, but it still was a cool palace yeah. and you have to get through like three or four different levels of security to get there. Wow. But he was super nice and, um, and he was very supportive and we were like, we were saying like, you know, we were wondering like, should, you know, we were like, you know, we were doing jokes about Bush, like, did you fi- did you like those jokes like you know? And he was like, yeah. He's like, I enjoyed the jokes, but he's like, I couldn't laugh too hard because then it becomes like an international incident. Oh wow! Because his brother was like, his brother was there falling out of his chair at the bush joke, but he was kind of like, okay, very polite and smiling, yeah. you know. That's um, so funny. But he was cool. He's like, I just can't like like right. be like you know rolling over on that, you know.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks really for doing it. Thanks for the ice cream, man. No problem. Yeah. yeah. Anytime yeah. I know that's hard to find maybe down here, but
1: it's it's a great man. The kids are gonna love it.
0: Yeah, that's what I loved in San Francisco. Thank yeah. you so much, man. Thanks, man. Thank you. All right, buddy.